today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. He says, when the Lord says, who will go for us? Isaiah's response, emphatic. Here am I, send me. It's not, here am I, I'm available. Here am I, consider me. No, it's more like this. Here am I, send me, send me. What is the Lord calling you to? In today's message, Pastor J.D. teaches on the commission placed on Isaiah's life by the Lord. Here am I, send me, was Isaiah's response. How will you respond to what God is calling you to? Consider following Isaiah's example and wholeheartedly accept what the Lord has in store for you. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Isaiah chapter 6 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. The whole earth is full of His glory. And really there's no indication that they only said that once. There's probably every indication that they just were worshiping Jesus on the throne. Holy, holy, holy. Why three times? The thought is, is because this is the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. This is going to come up again here in a moment. Then, so he sees the seraphim and they're just worshiping. Holy, holy, holy. Then we're told that the earth literally shook. So much so that the doorposts, I mean, if I'm there, I'm like on my face. Oh God, oh God. I can't take it. The whole place had shaken by the voice of Him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Imagine this scene. Now why do we have this detail recorded for us? I believe it's because when we fix our eyes on the Lord, it's then that we behold the holiness of the Lord. I think about Peter. Same sort of response as we're going to see here next with Isaiah, when he knows and sees and recognizes that it's the Lord. What's his response? Get away from me. I'm a sinful man. Isaiah, as we're going to see now, says, I am am a man of unclean lips. When you're in the presence of the Lord, beholding the holiness of the Lord, fixing your eyes on the Lord, that is your response. And that's what we see here in verse 5. 
And this is a biggie. They're all biggies really, but I want to spend just a little bit of time on this one. There's another one too that I want to spend some time on. But it's that of humbling yourself before the Lord. I don't know if it's possible to overstate the importance of what takes place here with Isaiah. He humbles himself before the Lord, and that he's even able to speak in and of itself is remarkable. I would have been speechless. But I find it interesting that he would, with specificity, refer to himself, his sinful condition there in the presence of the holiness of God, and specifically say that he is a man of unclean lips. And then he takes her further and says that he dwells in the midst of people with unclean lips. This is one of those places where you have to ask yourself why. Why this specifically? This is a pretty powerful scene here that's taking place. And for him to be able to speak, and then when he does, he refers with the specificity to the uncleanness of his lips. Here again, I would suggest that Isaiah was keenly aware of his own propensity to sin with the untamed tongue in its restless evil and deadly poison, as James refers to it. And then for him to also include with himself Israel as also being a people of unclean lips. Hang on to this. I want to come back to it here shortly. It actually ties in with our fourth one in verses 6 and 7. It's confess your sins to the Lord. That's what he does here. And the reason he does this is because when we fix, notice the progression here. When we fix our eyes on the Lord, we'll behold the holiness, the purity, the holiness of the Lord, which in turn causes us to humble ourselves before the Lord. And when we humble ourselves before the Lord, we'll confess our sins to the Lord in order to be forgiven and cleansed by the Lord. And that's what's happening here. And it's going to happen in a pretty dramatic way, and we're going to see that next. What's interesting to me is not so much that Isaiah's sin was cleansed and purged, It's more about how and where his sin was purged. Now again, picture the scene with me, and this is why it is, I believe, that we have this detail. You've got the seraphim, and he's just confessed that he is a man of unclean lips. And the seraphim flies, that alone would have, I mean, you know, I'm like, you know, whoa, I can't take this anymore. 
he goes over to the altar before the throne, and he gets a hot coal off the altar. And notice the detail again. He uses tongs. That's how hot it is. And he takes that coal, (laughs) and he touches the lips with the coal of Isaiah. Ow! You know, I actually did a little bit of research on this this afternoon in preparation. And I'll tell you why. i got to give you kind of the backstory here. I, it's one of those times where I just, God just gives me, He's so faithful to give me applicable sermon illustrations. So Monday night I stepped on a piece of glass and I came down on it hard enough to where it it was lodged deep into the bottom of my foot. Now you have to understand something. I, I know there's something to this, okay? I mean, I am so hypersensitive to pain. I get a hangnail, I want to go be with Jesus. That's how bad it is. No, I'm serious. And my, just stay with me. This is a deeply profound point I'm about to make, so you got to bear with me. Just hang in there with me. My wife, three of our four children, a natural childbirth. No, I mean, I have such a profound respect for my wife. Amazing tolerance to pain. Unbelievable. I mean, she can, she can handle it. And I am like crying like a, well, I cry like a man, but I mean, I'm crying like a baby. I, this thing hurts so bad. My wife's looking at me like, come on, man, man up. (laughs) So I'm begging her to take it out. But that hurt even more because she's taking the tweezers and she's trying to dig in there. And I'm like, stop, ouch. So I said, forget forget it, forget it. I'll I'll, I'll go in. So I call the doctor. Can't get in until Thursday morning, 8 o'clock, as soon as I can get you in. Like, that's the soonest thing you put. Four days, I'm in just excruciating pain. So I go in this morning. Great doctor, you know, foot doctor, goes in there and he says, well, it's, it's in there pretty deep. We're going to have to take an x-ray. Well, you are? Yeah. Does that hurt? No. <laughs> so takes an x-ray. Sure enough, there it is. We're going to have to go in. I said, can you numb it? When I go into the dentist, he has to give me like three times the amount of numbing agent just to fill a cavity. I mean, I have a hypersensitivity to pay. It's a physiological thing, okay? I'm feeling judged right now. <laughs> no, right? You know, and some of you, and you know who you are. Anyway, I, let me try to wrap this up. Some of you are saying, please, you're killing me. So he says, you know, I'm going to do my best 
but it is going to hurt. And, you know, I said, can you inject some numbing agent in there before you try to dig this thing out? He says, that's going to hurt even worse. I said, it is? So he says, I'll do my best. And so I'm just praying. And I said, you know what? I said, doctor, I'm going to pray for you. I'm actually praying for me, but I'm going to pray for you that you get this out. He said, I got to tell you that it's not very often as deep as this is that I'm able to really do it without, you know, the injection. I'm like, just get it out you know. And so he starts doing the digging. It hurt. And then he grabs it and he goes, wow, this doesn't happen very often. Actually, it rarely happens at all. I said, that's because I pray God is so gracious to me. He knows I have no pain tolerance. He pulls this out and his reaction, you know it's always disconcerting when your doctor reacts. They're not supposed to do that, right? I mean, how disconcerting, doctor or dentist, when they react, you know, like this, like, oh, what? I've never seen anything like this before. He pulls this thing out. He goes, this is a lot larger than I thought it was. I'm like, no wonder it hurt pulls this thing out. He said, let me take a picture of it, you know, widescreen. It's the thing that, it wasn't just a little piece of glass, it was a shard of glass. And my foot, could you imagine if that was in my lip? Did you know that the lip, the lips are the most sensitive part of the body? Do you know why? They have over one million nerve endings. The lips, And the seraphim takes a hot coal, and he touches the lips. Oh, that had to hurt. Why? Isn't that the question? I believe it's because God was cauterizing, cleansing, purging, Isaiah's unclean lips, now they're clean. They've been cleansed. They've been purged. And they would need to be. Why? Because of the calling that God had on Isaiah's life. And that's what we're going to see now in verse 8. It's our fifth one. And it's hearken to the voice from the Lord. So you see in the progression, right? Verse 8 is interesting for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that the voice of the Lord asks, who will go for us? And notice it's capitalized. That's the Trinity. Genesis, let us create man in our image. That's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, I highlight that again because to me it explains Isaiah's response. I don't know if you notice this or not, how emphatic it is. He says, when the Lord says, who will go for us? Isaiah's response, emphatic. Here am I, send me. It's not, here am I, 
I'm available. Here am I, consider me. No, it's more like this. Here am I, send me, send me. Something's changed. Isaiah's changed. This is the calling now on Isaiah's life, and he would become the prophet Isaiah, and now he's going to go, as we're going to see next, and he will speak with those cleansed, cauterized, purged, clean lips, and he will speak for the Lord. But, and there's a but here, (laughs) and it's in verses 9 and 10, and this is the other one I want to spend just a little bit of time on. It's that of counting the cost of following the Lord. I have to confess that what God tells Isaiah here is very convicting, because if you think about it, he's being told, okay, go, but I'm going to send you. You say, here am I, send me, go, but. Here's what's going to happen, Isaiah. Nobody's going to listen. You are going to speak on my behalf as my prophet to my people, but it will be met with blind eyes, deaf ears, and dull hearts on the part of Israel. In other words, Isaiah, I will send you, you will go, but the success of your ministry will never be based on the numbers or popularity or followers. One has crassly referred to this as nickels and noses. And you know what's sad? This has become the gauge by which the success of a ministry is determined. Years ago, (laughs) when I would go to pastors' conferences, there was always these, ah, I was sad. I was just like the next guy, but you're always comparing yourself to the other pastor whose church is bigger. You got to know pastors are so clever when it comes to this, so we, we just want to compare, you know. So how many people are you running on a Sunday? How many people am I running on a Sunday? Yeah, how many services, you know, you got? What's your seating capacity? Translated, is your church bigger than mine? No, that's exactly what it was. Just bear with me. I I don't want to take this too far, but I think it needs to be said. And I have to be very open when I say it. But this is perhaps amongst the most dangerous, if not the most dangerous things for a ministry, especially for a pastor. 
when a pastor starts getting caught up in the nickels and the noses, the number of followers. You know, as God has seen fit over the years to bless this, His church, and we've seen the numbers grow, I'll tell you, the Lord has, (laughs) well, He's taken me aside on several occasions, had a little talk with me. And it goes something like this. I'm just being very open. If it's uncomfortable, it's uncomfortable. I'm just going to be very open with you. It goes like this. Wow, your numbers are really getting up there. You're getting pretty popular. (laughs) Yeah? You know, Lord. (laughs) Right? Yeah, you're getting asked to speak at conferences, and you're getting calls, and people want you to go on their program, and endorse their books, and write forwards, and all of these things. Yeah. And here's the problem, the enemy's right there too. And this is what that sounds like. Hey, not too bad. I just thought of this, maybe this is the Holy Spirit. I think it was the year 2002. I was in Russia and I was teaching at the Bible college. It might have been earlier, but so we had an outreach. We were doing a church plant. We did an outreach the night before, and I mean God just blessed it and moved mightily. And a lot of Russians came to Christ that night. And so the next morning in devotions at the Bible college, I got up and I said, you guys, Satan could not be happier than he is with what happened last night. And they thought I misspoke, like, you know, I was jet lagged, tired, you know, big time difference. And they thought I meant God couldn't be happier with what happened last night. And I said, no, you heard me right. Satan could not be happier with what happened last night. You know why? Because when what happened last night happens, we tend to think to ourselves that it has to do with ourselves. And the enemy's right there to reinforce that like, wow, you're pretty good. Oh, our flesh is like, well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Do you know how many more followers you have? Yeah. Hey man, those likes are getting up there and the subscribers are increasing. And oh, how about those comments? We've got to watch out for those comments. Pastor, you're you're so amazing. Who are you? <laughs> what? What are you talking about? Are you sure you watched the same video that I just did? Because Actually, it was a Howard Hendricks. He's with the Lord now. He used to refer to it as the glorification of the worm ceremony. It's where the pastor, after the sermon, would go out in the front as people were leaving the church and say, oh, pastor, that was a wonderful message. God really spoke to me. It's the glorification of the worm. And a pastor has to be so careful. And I covet your prayers on this. 
and I'm serious when I say this, because what can happen is we can get so caught up in the numbers, and we start gauging the success of our ministry based on that, and all of a sudden now it's not about faithfulness, it's about fruitfulness. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you think that the gospel is only in our first four books of the New Testament, you'll quickly learn through this book of Isaiah that the gospel's mentioned throughout. It must have been interesting for Isaiah to write the things he did in the course of his life. He was a prophet used by God who lived while several kings of Judah reigned. From their outright wicked behavior to a king like Hezekiah, Isaiah experienced the people living in rebellion and then turning toward God, realizing their need for him. God used Isaiah in a mighty way to influence these kings and to speak to them about what was yet to come. God can use you in the place you're at today as well. It may not seem as influential or powerful of a position, but God has you right where he wants you, to use you in the place you are. Are you involved in a local church? If not, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can get directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for our next edition as we learn more valuable things from this interesting book of Isaiah, right here on In Spirit and Truth. La, la, la.